Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Burgundy and Gold Today. Redskins are the world champions. On the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Team 980 in the Odyssey at Linnell Willingham here with you for one final hour here on Burgundy in Gold today. The new midday show here in town. The combination of myself, the legend, Scott Jackson, and the DOC, Rick Doc Walker. We got you covered weekdays 12 to 3. And we got the best, and I truly do mean the best, Washington Commanders coverage in town. We got expert analysis, fan reaction, and the biggest names in Burgundy and Gold history. I told you we had expert analysis. So now it's time to bring in a real expert. Joining us right now on the Team 980 guest hotline is NFL national reporter for SB Nation, Mr. Mark Schofield. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Long time no talk, Marky Mark. How are you, my man? I'm doing well, now, and congratulations to you on the new show. Fantastic news. Been listening every chance I get. Hats off to you, buddy. Congrats. I appreciate you, my man. Hats off to you on the new gig at SB Nation. I see you. You're talking about Carson Wentz early. Look, the job may have changed, Mark, but you're still writing about Carson Wentz. Your piece this morning, I was all into it at 7 o'clock when I first woke up. You headlined it, Washington rides the Carson Wentz roller coaster to a win. Is it sustainable? In your opinion, from your vantage point, Mark, what did you see uh, from Washington on Sunday against Jacksonville, specifically at the quarterback position with Carson Wentz? Well, I thought in many ways, like others have said, RG3, for example, it was in many ways a vintage Carson Wentz performance. And you and I have talked about this on shows over the summer. We've talked about it offline, texted back and forth. Wentz delivers jaw-dropping moments, both good and bad. And we saw that on Sunday, the four touchdowns, some of the other throws he made in that game, the throw that he made to Antonio Gibson on that perfectly designed play where he has the run fake to one side and Gibson leaks out of the backfield on that deep corner route along the right sideline where Wentz has to layer in that throw, get it over underneath coverage, drop it in before the safety, before the sideline. Those are throws that are difficult to make. And he delivered in those moments early. He delivered in those moments late. You know, the deep throw on the right sideline where he hits that whole shot on the vertical throw. It's one of those throws that only a handful of people on the planet can make. And Carson Wentz is one of them. Now, that being said, there were, as we talked about, jaw-dropping, head-scratching kind of moments. The back-to-back interceptions. I think the Trayvon Walker interception was one of those where nine times out of ten, you know, maybe it goes for you know, a minimal gain or it gets stopped behind the line. But Trayvon Walker is an elite freak athlete who made an incredible play. Mark, don't think- Mark can, I ask you about, can I ask you about that play specifically? Yeah. Because obviously you do deep dives into the film. Everybody here locally, for some reason, is making an excuse. And you sound like you are too, are making an excuse for that throw. I'm of the belief, like, look, you can clearly see when a screen pass is not there and blown up. Clock the football. And I think that really leads to this narrative and discussion talking about roller coasters. You just can't have turnovers like that, Mark. Right. It's one of those moments where you see it and you're just like, wait, what in the world 
are you thinking here, right? right? Because you turn around, you throw it, and it's almost like he threw it right to him, like he threw it between, you know, the four and the zeros uh, on his jersey. But it's, uh, excuse me, the four and the four. But he's coming out of a play fake. He's coming out of a, a moment where he's under center, turns his back to the defense as he carries out that run fake, whips his head around. And it's one of those moments where I think, and again, look, I qualify all these discussions with, I was the worst quarterback in all of college football for like three years in the 90s. So I know what bad quarterback play and, and bad quarterback mistakes look like. But that's one of those plays where every time you've run that, you whip your eyes around and you haven't seen somebody where Trayvon Walker is. So every time you whip your head around, you throw it. Now, could Wentz have identified that spot of that, take a second to read that out? And like you said, turfed it, taken a sack, whatever. Yeah, and that's probably something that he should have done. But I, I'm of the mind that it's hard to fault him in that moment, given the sort of construct of the play, turning his back to the defense, whipping his eyes around, and then having to diagnose something that he probably hadn't seen all preseason, all training camp. I know this, Mark. They can't turn the football over three times and expect to go to Detroit right. uh, and get a win this weekend. More on the offensive side of the football, Mark. I know you've done a lot of breakdowns of this Washington offense Talking about the offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, I thought he just did a masterful job getting his guys the football in space and really just letting Carson Wentz go out there and play point guard. One of the stats that really you know took me aback, Mark, Washington threw the football 22 times on first and second down. From somebody who studies offensive football the way you do, what are some of the benefits of throwing the football on early downs? Well, it, it's not just throwing on early downs, but throwing out of advantageous personnel packages. Yeah. Throwing when the, you know, one of the benefits of throwing on early downs is defenses, defensive play callers, defensive quarters, you tend to expect run plays, right? right. You tend to expect, you know, they're going to run it here on first down, you know, get themselves into a manageable situation. That play call that I talked about earlier, the throw to Antonio Gibson, it came on a second and seven, where as a defensive play caller, you might be thinking, yeah, they're going to run it here. They're going to get themselves into like third and three and third and four. And what do you see Scott Turner dial up? Flash run fake to one side of the field, leak the back out to the other side. Just a well-designed play. And what I love about that, in addition to the design of it, Linnell, and the situation where he called it with the, the personnel, yeah. you get this two-back, three-receiver sort of pony package where you see that you might see, hey, you know, I think – if you see that as a defensive corner, you're thinking they're definitely going to run the football. Right. And so I think that it was a great design, great play call. And when you as an offensive play caller can switch it up on a defense like that, throw in first down, throw in second down, it is such a good card to have for an offense. Joining me right now on the Team 980 guest hotline is NFL writer for SB Nation, Mark Schofield. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Mark, before you came on here, we were talking about some of the things that Washington did on Sunday and what's sustainable and what's not sustainable. Carson Wentz, obviously, Mark, goes out and throws for four touchdowns. And outside of the two interceptions, I don't know if you've done a deep dive on this, were there a lot of turnover-worthy throws from Wentz? Because I know last year a lot of pundits felt like he got bailed out statistically. He only threw seven interceptions on paper, but the turnover-worthy plays are what turned people off by him based on what you saw against Jacksonville, is the performance that he had sustainable? And then how many turnover-worthy throws were there? I think the performance in L is sustainable over the course of the season. I think, you know, you're not going to see two turnovers more often than not. I think more than likely you're going to see him cut down on the interceptions. Remember, and it was a point of discussion all off season. Despite how it ended in Indianapolis, he threw just seven interceptions a year ago. Right. And I didn't see, you know, interceptable throws all over the film that, you know, defensive players were dropping or, you know, plays weren't made on the other side of the ball. It wasn't a situation like that. I mean, there were other quarterbacks this week that had a lot more interceptable throws or riskier type throws or decisions than certainly Wentz had in this game. And so ultimately the question, is this offensive performance sustainable? Can Washington win games like this? I think so. The one that I do want to see one sort of cut down on, late throws to the boundary. He had, yeah. you know, the other interception came on a late throw to the boundary. He did have a play right at the start of the second half where he tried another, you know, deep out route to McLaurin along the right sideline where the, the safety, actually, it was the corner, excuse me, you know, had time to sort of break on that throw. Wentz believes supremely in his arm talent. As he should. That there is a, as he should. He has a tremendous arm, but there are some moments where if you're going to make that throw, that right hash to left sideline, or in this case, that's 
play to start the second half, left hash to right sideline. You're going to really get it out quickly. Yeah. Like every millisecond counts. Definitely. Mark, when you look at the opponent for Washington this Sunday, talking about the Detroit Lions, I don't know how much of their film you've gotten a chance to break down. I'm looking at the box score here, and I, all I see is DeAndre Swift, 15 carries, a buck 44 and a touchdown. What are they doing schematically in the run game, and how do you think it could cause problems uh, for Washington? Well, they're doing a lot of different things in the run game schematically. They're doing a lot of inside-outside zone, wide zone, some man gap power stuff. I think, interestingly enough, and, you know, reading around, you know, Eagles Twitter, seeing the coverage out of Philadelphia, <laughs> there's a lot of angst about defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon after that win because you look at the on-off splits. Jordan Davis, their first-round pick, just an absolute freak athlete, man of his size. When he was in the game, Detroit could not run the ball, but they took him. He only played, you know, a small percentage of their snaps. When he was not in the game, they were able to run the ball on that Philadelphia Eagles front. And so I think, you know, the lesson sort of there is, as it, you should be, right? You play your best players. Right. You know? And I, I think that was perhaps more than anything else, the storyline, Lanella, of the run game from Detroit was they had their most success when Jonathan Gannon took one of his best one-stopping players off of the field. And, Mark, talking to, to, to people you know in the media and then talking to the callers here on the show today, I think a lot of people are upset here locally, Mark, that Detroit this weekend is favored against Washington. I don't know if you saw the number. They have been underdogs in 24 straight contests. What does it say about Washington that they're an underdog this week? Yeah, I mean, I... There's a lot of excitement amongst gambling circles about the Detroit Lions. I mean, one of the more popular bets this entire offseason was the over on their season win total. There's a lot of excitement about the Lions this season. And I think it says more about that excitement amongst you know gamblers, the excitement about the Detroit Lions, the belief that this Lions team is going to be in contention throughout the year, than it says, I think, about Washington. You know, I understand why Washington fans are frustrated and upset by that, and I get it, but I think the reflection with that number is a reflection of how the gambling community has felt about the Detroit Lions pretty much this entire offseason. Mark, I wanted to ask you about Commander's rookie wideout Jahan Dotson. Obviously, nationally, he burst onto the scene this past weekend. Two touchdown passes, including two touchdown receptions, excuse me, including the game winner. Uh, against Jacksonville, we've known about him all training camp long, even dating back to the spring and OTAs. Terry McLaurin wasn't out there, as we all know. He was negotiating his, his long-term extension with the team. Jahan Dotson has been, you know, Carson Wentz's favorite target throughout the spring and the summer. Going back to your evaluations, are you surprised at all about the impact that, that he's had thus far on this football team? You know, no, no, I'm not. We talked about Dawson, you know, over the spring, around draft time, and after that when the commanders picked him. And one of the things that I loved about him coming out of Penn State, and it's one of the things I look for in wide receivers when you're evaluating them, how do they handle a defender in their face? How do they handle a press-aligned defender? Because for many college receivers, when they make that adjustment to their rookie season in the NFL, it's suddenly, I've got to do what now? He's going to do what (laughs) off the snap? And I have to, you know, get myself free? Dodson was very effective when he saw that press align defender. And, you know, there are some corners in college that are better at true press jam coverage than others. And I always use the phrase press align because sometimes you see press bail and other things. Right. But whenever he had that press align defender, he was very effective at getting himself free. It's why I thought, you know, he's not going to be just a slot only guy at the NFL. Like he can play outside week one as a rookie. And we saw that, you know, the game winner was an out and up move. He was against off coverage, but the violence with his route because he gets into the out and then just explodes upfield yeah. on his break, gets the separation, but then to win the way he does at the catch point to sort of use his body to shield the defender away from the ball and finish that play to win the game. It's a play you see veteran receivers make, and he's doing it week one of his rookie season. I'm very excited about the start from him, and I am so excited to see what we see from him in the weeks to come. Two more for you before we let you out of here, Mark. Obviously, you follow the Philadelphia Eagles extremely closely. That is Washington's next opponent in Week 3 to be their NFC East opener at home here against Philadelphia. Uh, we all know they put up 38 against the Detroit Lions. When you went back and watched the film, what impressed you the most about what Philadelphia did on the offensive side of the football? 
You know, I think a lot of it is how quickly they incorporated A.J. Brown into their passing game. That shouldn't have been a surprise, but we did see it. You know, the the big debate besides Jonathan Gannon and what he's done defensively is obviously what are we seeing from Hurts in terms of his pocket management? Is he going to remain a quarterback that will pull the ball down and use his legs at the first sign of pressure, or will he start to hand in the pocket more and more? You know, he ran it 17 times. There were some moments where – that's a lot. And some were designed runs. Some were, you know, sort of, you know, boot or sprint out options where he had a run pass element to it. His first touchdown was one such play. But there were some moments where he did probably pull the football down and run from a clean pocket. There were some moments where I thought he actually did a pretty good job hanging in there, you know, where you might use, you, you know, I've seen him bail in years past, but instead hunt in there and made a throw. That's going to be the push and pull for Hurts this season because he's a very athletic quarterback and he can make things happen with his legs. But in terms of, you know, we have the Carson Wentz, is it sustainable kind of question for Washington? When you're running your quarterback 17 times, is that sustainable or does the wear and tear start to take its toll on the quarterback? Yeah. And Jalen Hurts is a stocky guy. He's built well, Mark. But I, I think that is a great question that you pose. I'll let you go on this, though, Mark. I'll put you on the hot seat. Washington travels to Detroit this weekend looking uh, for their first 2-0 and start in a while. Do you think they get it done? I do think they get it done. And I'm somebody that is excited about Detroit, what they do this year. But I was very excited about what we saw from Wentz. I was very excited about how quickly that offense became explosive in the downfield passing game. I think that's his strength as a quarterback. And so I was excited to see some designs where they pushed it downfield early and often. I think that puts him in the best position to be successful. We talked about Dotson, the way he acclimated so quickly. You know, I think defensively, leave your best players on the field. Don't take them off the field yeah. unless you absolutely have to. You'll be able to slow down that run game. And I think Washington gets it done. Appreciate you giving me some time, my man. Always fun talking ball with you. Love it every time, Linnell. Thank you so much for having me, and congratulations again on the show, man. So happy for you. Yeah, I appreciate you, my man. Always get smarter talking ball with Mark Schofield. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mark Schofield for the latest. I asked him about the Eagles because he does a podcast on the Eagles, and, you know, Eagles Twitter always giving him a hard time. He's very honest when evaluating the quarterback position, which is why when we saw him talking about Carson Wentz, I say, oh, yeah, let me have him on because I know he's going to cut it straight. We got to take a quick timeout. When we come back, the head coach of the Washington Commanders, Ron Rivera, just got finished speaking to the D.C. media. We'll let you hear his thoughts, and hopefully we get an update on the injury situation next here on Burgundy and Gold today. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Burgundy and Gold Today on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. 
Want to give a huge thanks to SB Nation's Mark Schofield for joining the program. Doing a deep dive on Commander's quarterback Carson Wentz. And the interesting takeaway uh, from Mark's appearance here was his confidence level in Washington's offense being able to sustain the production that they had in week one against Jacksonville. And I think this offense, and we always talk about it here, and I always say, for me, it's always been more about the process over the day-to-day results. And I've been talking about this thing since training camp. You all remember the reports that came out. Everyone was ready to jump off a ledge over Carson Wentz and his accuracy or, or, or lack thereof during training camp, talking about him skipping balls, one-hopping passes to open wide receivers during routes versus air. It's all a part of the maturation process for him. Third team in three seasons. You're learning a new offense. You're trying to build chemistry with a brand-new group of receivers. And I think you saw Sunday closer you know, to what we can expect from the norm, right? Four touchdowns, two interceptions. Had a back and forth, good back and forth, I, I would say, with Mark about whose fault it was on that second interception to Trayvon Walker. Look, I believe in Mark. Love what he has to say. I'm still of the belief that, look, Carson can't throw that football. You got to spike it. Throw it in the dirt. Do something. Because, yes, you were able to get a, excuse me, yes, you were able to get away with that against Jacksonville. But against a team like Detroit, Man, I don't know. And I'm still trying to figure out here. I told you at the top of the show, by the time we get off the air today, I'm going to figure out why we get so much hate nationally. I told you that was my case. And I still have yet to figure it out. But the way we're looking right now, as we sit out, what are we, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're four days out from week two against Detroit. Everybody we've talked to today feels like the performance offensively is sustainable. They do. And I don't know if that's people wearing the fan hat. I know Mark's not wearing a fan hat because if he was a fan of a team, it'd be the New England Patriots. You heard his accent. I don't know if it's the fan hat, though, or or, or people just people just having a true belief in Carson Wentz. Because I think that's really what, what it's all about. And it's so funny how quickly you can see a narrative change in pro sports. That's the beauty of it. That's why we all love it. All offseason, we were dragging this man's name through the dirt. All the way up until the fourth quarter, Sunday, people were dragging this man's name through the dirt. Our friend Warren Sharp sent out the tweet that said, Carson Wentz is who we thought he was. And Jason Wright making headlines per usual, coming to the defense of his new QB1 here in Washington. I forgot exactly what Jason tweeted, but basically he said, ha-ha, look who's getting the last laugh because ultimately at the end of the day, Carson Wentz throws a game-winning touchdown. So as we sit here a couple days out from week two, I'm still trying to get a gauge on what this team and what this offense is going to be. Obviously, we got some questions answered Sunday against Jacksonville. But this weekend, man, and I always, every time I've said this during the show, I feel like I'm slighting the Jacksonville Jaguars by saying this. This weekend, look, ladies and gentlemen, we're going against a team that is going to punch back. Straight up. And I don't know how else to put it. They are going to hit back. Dan Campbell has those boys playing a brand of football that's going to allow you to win games come November and December. I I expect them to be playing meaningful football down the stretch. I know Vegas is in love with them, and Mark, you know, confirmed that. You know, they're one of the you know sexiest bets out in the market right now to bet on their the over on their win total for the season. Looking at their schedule, man, like it's only going to get tougher <laughs> for the Detroit Lions, not to mention they play in the division with Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers. So this is going to be a good litmus test for Washington and for Detroit because obviously we know they went toe-to-toe with the Philadelphia Eagles, everyone's darling in the NFC. And I don't know if the law said more about Detroit or more about Philadelphia. I know it's never, ever too early to take a look ahead at the Eagles, so we'll do so real quick. Sal Palantonio, the great ESPN reporter, he actually sent me a text two nights ago. He wants to come back on for week three against Philly. And then he also said, man, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington hosts the Tennessee Titans with a 4-0 record. Or host, or host the, the, yeah, with a 4-0 record. 
So Sal Powell feels like Washington has an opportunity to upset Philadelphia. Not to look too far ahead. They got to beat Detroit first. But I think the conversation and discussion probably needs to switch a little bit here. Does Washington at this point in time have a legitimate opportunity to win the NFC East? We know what happened to Dak. We saw Philadelphia didn't look that great. The Giants came out and stunned the Titans. I said it to Mark, or I said it to Ethan, excuse me, at the top of the 1 o'clock hour. This NFC East uh, is wide open to me. And right now, if you're Washington, you got to keep that in the back of your head because it's not always going to be easy. They're not going to go 17-0. and But I think there are some internal factors that could get this team revved up. We mentioned the possibility of Ron Rivera putting the spread up on the board as bulletin board material for that group. I think it was G from the shop who hit it right on the head. This group shouldn't need any external factors for motivation. They got a quarterback that nobody believes in, that this team should be rallying around. They got a running back who saw his career flash before his eyes against Carolina by putting the football on the turf. You got Chase Young trying to work his way back from injury. You have this defense who everybody has written off despite the talent on that unit. Man, if you're Washington and you need somebody to motivate you, you're in the wrong damn industry. I say it all the time. If you need someone to smack you in the face on Sunday before you go out and play a football game, you're in the wrong industry. You're in the wrong business. You're getting to play a child's game for free and and all the cards are stacked up against you. Anthony, I don't know who this is on the line here. I want to take this call before we get to Ron Rivera. No, we're not going to take the call. We're going to get to Ron Rivera on the other side of this break. He spoke to the D.C. media earlier, got an update on the injury report. I'll say this, some encouraging signs for a certain commander's running back. You'll find out who on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. This is Burgundy and Gold today. This is the Burgundy and Gold today. Dalton gets set. Chase Young got him. On the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Team 980 in the Odyssey at Linnell Willingham here with you for about another half hour or so before I dish the rock to Craig Hoffman. He'll take you on your drive home three to six here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. In a moment, we'll hear from head coach Ron Rivera. He'll give us an update on the commander's injury situation uh, and let us know who practiced and who didn't practice today. They have to officially give out an injury report. But I got an injury report from Lions practice, man. Some interesting, interesting names that did not participate for Washington's opponent this Sunday. The star offensively for Detroit, running back DeAndre Swift, a DNP today. You all know how he went against Philadelphia. 15 carries, a buck 44 and a touchdown, 9.6 per rush. He didn't practice. Their stalwart at the tackle position, Taylor Decker, he did not practice. Tommy Kramer, he did not practice. All-Pro center Frank Ragno, he did not practice. So the Detroit Lions banged up uh, heading into this contest against Washington. And boy, if I'm Deron Payne and I'm John Allen and I see this injury report coming out, I'm licking my fingers. I smell blood in the water. I feel like a shark. Rawr! Sharks don't even growl, but you know what I mean. I'm feeling like, man, we got an advantage this Sunday. If those guys can be healthy, Washington should have the advantage up front. It's only Wednesday, so we'll continue to get more on the injury report as the week progresses. Friday uh, is really our, our, our tall tale day where we find out who's probably going to play, who's probably not going to play. But boy, first injury report of the week for Detroit, no DeAndre Swift, no Taylor Decker, no Tommy Kramer, and no Frank Ragnall. For Washington defensively, man, you got to be licking your chops. You could be going against a wounded animal Sunday uh, in Detroit. Right now, though, want to take things out to Ashburn. Commanders head coach Ron Rivera speaking to the D.C. media. Um, what was it like seeing Brian Robinson just get back out there on the bike and everything? It was good to see him out there. You know, he's uh, he's progressing very well. You know, each week he, he, you know, he gets to see the doctors and the trainers and they felt now is a good time to see you know how he does outside. So we'll see how he reacts to everything tomorrow morning. And with Scott Turner, him coming in with you in 2020 as a first full-time play caller, 
How have you seen him grow just in his creativity and, and his comfort in the role? Well, you know, that that's pretty much it. And, and, and just kind of watching him go through what, what coordinators do on a daily basis as far as game planning, you know, talking with him on Monday and Tuesdays and just watching him, um, you know, you see the growth, you see the development and understanding of, you know, how to attack people and, you know, how to, how to create those, um, those matchups that you're looking for. And, um, you know, and then using what you have. And, and, and I think that's been very good. It really has. It's been very strong in terms of that growth and development. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, he's in a great spot too because, you know, when, when, when you know, your, your dad's done it all your life and you watched him do it and you grew up watching it, um, I think it helps you. I really do. How do you think the offense in general and Carson in particular handled blitzes on, on Sunday? I thought they handled them pretty well. Um, you know, a, a big part of it obviously is getting, again, uh, a degree of comfort uh, and trust with, uh, with your O-line and with the uh, receivers knowing that they're going to get to where they need to be um, when they see a blitz. And, and that's probably the biggest thing. You know that uh, that you saw that there were some really good things that happened out there, and you know he got pressured, but not as not as um, you know as as, as much um, as could have been. In the past, he struggled with sacks on on blitzes, and I know that he had that one pick, but but no sacks. Is there something that you guys worked on specifically in training camp in terms of him facing blitzes, him and Scott maybe? Well, we we do a blitz period every day, and it's an opportunity for him to 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 see it every day, and and that's what we did through training camp. We do that now. You know, we, we work on, on the opponent's blitzes and what we can anticipate. And, um, you know, and it's not just him that's benefiting from it, but I, I think the rest of the the, uh, the offense benefits from it, you know, working on it every day. Blitzes on the other side of the ball, sending guys like St. Juice and McCain and Davis. Is that increased heat something you and Jack wanted to see this year after maybe trying to trust the front forward a little more last year? Well, I think that's something that, you know, as we, we evaluate who we are and what we do, you know, we have some guys that we think are very good blitzers. We think Jamin's a good blitzer. We think, you know, Bobby McCain's a, a good blitzer. We, we like who Benjamin St. Just is in terms of, of blitzing. And so, you know, you have guys that, that, that are quick and, and, and understand. Um, you want to use those guys, and, and it does help the D-line because now, you know, if you blitz and you blitz early in a game, now they don't know what to expect. You know, they 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 got to anticipate a little bit more. Maybe it changes the way they look at things. Certain formations in terms of how we line up might give them a thought that oh, here comes something, and we don't do it. With Antonio, how much of the circumstances have allowed you to get him more out in space? Like whether it's Carson's arrival or having Curtis Samuel back, how has that kind of contributed to what you want to do with Antonio? Well, I think you know part of it is 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 really with with Carson's ability, and but I think also it's the people around. You know, again, you know, I talked about it, and that's you know we feel really good about the number of playmakers we have, whether it it, it be Curtis Samuels or or be other tight ends or other receivers or other backs. Um, I think that that's one of the things that, you know, we talked about earlier on uh, Nikki's question about watching, you know, Scott's development, you know, looking at, at ways to get these guys the ball, whether it be in space or it be behind the line of scrimmage, you know, in terms of a handoff or, or, or a swing or, or, or something underneath. I mean, that's, you know, trying to create opportunities so that, you know, he can get in space and get in those matchup situations, you know, because he's a big man and, and he's got tremendous athleticism and, you know, big guys don't go down easy. Right. How much of his background playing receiver kind of helps what you guys want to do in that? I think that's 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 tremendously important because it's the same thing for J.D. You know, J.D. started as a wide receiver and that's why I think he's so uh, so exceptional on, on third downs as a third down back because his ability to get out there, run a good route, get himself open, and then be dynamic with the ball in space. And so that's why it's important, you know, that we, we, we look for opportunities to, to get these guys in, in areas where they can make plays. And real quick with Brian Robinson, was today his first on-field work? Yeah, I believe so. Ron, I think it's been since 2011 since this franchise started 2-0. and If you're able to do that on Sunday, what would be the significance for this franchise, the team, and even the fan base to get off to that 2-0 start? Well, yeah, it'd be nice to, to continue to play well and, um, you know, and get some enthusiasm and continue to build that enthusiasm and, and, and continue to get fans back in the seats. I think that would be tremendous. I mean, um, you know, hopefully they, they felt it, the fans that were there, they felt it on Sunday and, and, and understand just, you know, how the players feed off it. That'd be great. For us, it's really about keeping the momentum, you know, and, and, and what that does is it, it puts us in the position that, you know, um, you know I don't want to get ahead of us, but it, it puts us in the position at the next game, you know, we, we, we go into it with momentum. 
Are you a Hard Knocks guy? Did you watch this? No. S- no. Okay. No. 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 Um, did you get the sense that Sunday was personally satisfying for Carson beyond just the win and you gave him the game ball, but after everything he'd been through this offseason, that was particularly meaningful? Oh, yeah. I think so. I think for him, you know, and, and, and he should relish in it because um, you know, it, it was it was big. It was a huge accomplishment for him, you know, coming, uh, um, you know, through the uh, the um, the offseason that, that, that he had, that we've had. And, and I think it was gratifying for everybody in that locker room, you know, to, to win, to, to be able to move on. Um, you know, there was there was a lot being made of the fact that you know this was uh, the commander's first game as the commanders. So it was uh, there was there was a lot to it. Did Sunday was that the type of game or the type of way you think this team this year can win games, or is every game its own kind of thing and you win however you win that week? Um, you do win however you win, um, but. You know, ideally, if you if you get off to a good lead, you want to maintain that throughout the game. But if if for whatever reason, you know, the, the score gets close or, or they take the lead, you know, to be able to show the resilience um, and and the confidence to continue to, to to play hard and get yourself back into it. I mean, one of the things that I really appreciate is that I, at no point did I ever feel when 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 Jacksonville took the lead that our guys were go oh here we go again. That you know that's that that's a nightmare. And 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 that was something I thought that that we're, we've gotten past. At least it felt like it to me on the sideline, you know. And and what I and I and I told a little story about what Carson said to me when I told him. I said, "Hey, you know, you get past it. You're going to have to win it." And he said, "I will." You know, I, I that that attitude, that that confidence is. I, I thought it was good, and I think it permeated throughout the rest of the guys. Uh, ben Saint Just uh, played a new position at nickel this past Sunday. What is your assessment of his performance uh, against Jacksonville? I thought he handled it pretty well. You know, there were some things that uh, Jacksonville did we weren't prepared for, and I think it, um, you know, they, 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 they caught us with something that, that was different, uh, a little new, and, and so it, it, it kind of put us in a tough spot. And, um, you know, we got out of it, and I thought he handled that pretty well, and, and that was good. It was really good to see him back out there and playing to his ability. I mean, the guy's got a tremendous skill set. He's got good size, and he can run. And, um, you know, I think he's only going to get better at that position. And, and really be an asset for what we want to do on defense. Ron, you've been through a million season openers as a player and a coach. What, what's the difference the following week when, when you win that first game in terms of vibe in the building and just sense of possibility? Well, that's exactly it. There's the vibe more so than anything else, you know. And, um, and it, was, it was fun to watch um, how the guys came in on my the excitement and, and when we went through the team meeting. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it is one of those things now that, that – as you go forward, you want to continue and, and just continue to, to work hard and, you know, keep the energy level up, and that, that's big. Um, Ron, in the past, before you uh, made the deal for Carson and we asked about getting a quarterback, you said, obviously, we want to get one, but you don't want to empty the cupboard in order to do that. You need to have the pieces around him. This is Sunday sort of an ex- example of how you did have some guys in place. The offensive line played well, the receivers and so on. Yeah, I mean, again, that's the thing that's important is is that you're able to 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 field a a a, a very viable group, you know, and and protect the quarterback and give him time and open the holes, and then you have the playmakers that that if you can distribute the ball and then give them a chance to to use their talents, it gives you a chance, and and that's what I felt, you know, we have now is we have a chance, um, just because we've got enough of the pieces now, and and again, every every week's going to be different, obviously, because we're going to play a different opponent and under different circumstances, but. You know, we've put ourselves in a good spot, I think, and, and now we've just got to make hay with it. And um, with Cam Curl, obviously, so early, early, early in the week, but when you looked at the tape, what did you notice that maybe his absence, where it was felt, and what's your kind of hope uh, for him for this week? Well, I think, you know, with him, there's a little bit more of a, of a, of a DB presence near the box. You know, I, I again, I, I know Defoe did a great job, and, and he did the things tremendously well, and the things that we asked him to do, he did very well. But with Cam, there is a, you know, there is a, a, um, a bigger presence. I mean, he's, you know, his stature and, and his size and then his impact as a player. Um, but, again, take nothing away from what Defoe did. I mean, that was, that was a tremendous performance, and he made an impact in the game. You said that when, you know, you guys trailed that there was resilience, that they didn't think, oh, here we go again. Why do you think that is? And is there some, was there something different with this team compared to that? I think because of the things that we're capable of, and I think the guys fired and kept that momentum. With Jamin, and obviously you said, like you said, questions 
against guys like Kirk. Really, you know, playing to your leverage side, understanding exactly if I've got inside leverage, I want to make sure that guy goes up and over because if he goes up and over the top of me, you know, it makes it a longer throw. It, it forces the ball to be elevated. It gives the safety chance of time to help me. But if I if I pop my feet and I back up just enough and that guy gets underneath, now I'm in a chase position. It's not where my leverage is. And that's the mistake he made. You know, he knows, hey, go take the air out of him. Take the air out of him in an inside position. Make him roll over the top. Now, if I've got, if I've got, if I have help outside, then I want to, I mean, inside, uh, then what I want to do is I want to get him inside as quickly as possible because then I know the guy's down there to help me. So those are some of the things that, you know, he's got to be aware of. And it's with reps. It's with time. It's with understanding and learning growth and development. I mean, he's, he's a young guy that's still learning it, but because of his skill set, because of what he's capable of, he can make those plays. With Armani Rogers, was the first time you guys saw him at the East-West game, or was he on your radar? Play? He was kind of on our radar, but when when – they moved, made the move at the East-West, and <clears throat> we talked about it because you know he was a, he was a wide receiver and he was a good sized wide receiver, and and he has some athleticism to run. But as a tight end, you know he, he's showing the ability to 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 block, you know the willingness to to, to, to step up and, and engage a defensive end. But then when you watch him as a route runner and you see that athleticism show, you know he can be a, he can be a matchup problem, and he's a guy that could help dictate for us. You know what the defense is going to do in terms of well, if you split him out and and he beats a linebacker or a safety, then the next thing you know they're going to go into nickel. Well, if they go into nickel, now you have an opportunity to spread it out again, but this time run the ball. I mean that's what mismatches can create for you, and that's what we got to look at. And with his development, being able to play tight end in the NFL like ten months after switching positions, is that normal? <laughs> well, I don't know how normal it is, but I do know you know he's he's a tremendously smart young man. I mean he was a quarterback at one time. So he's got a great feel for the game, a lot like Logan. And and when you play that position and you learn and grow and develop like he has as a young football player, that carries over, and you've seen it. And and he's he's a you know, he's a very responsible young man, very disciplined. He works at his craft. You know, he he spends a lot of time with his position coach, with with uh, with the other players, and works at it. And and that's why you see him have success. Hey, you, mentioned, you mentioned liking seeing the the not mentality of here we go again. Does that give you optimism that when you do hit adversity this season that you'll be able to get through those and not let it snowball as it has in years past? I hope so. I do. I mean, you know, it, 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 and hopefully we don't have a, you know, a COVID outbreak again. <laughs> um, with Donovan Jeter, why was he the uh, defensive tackle? Big, stout, physical young man, um, more so than anything else. We got a chance to watch him, um, and I'm going to mess up his name. But we also watch uh, Benning Poalo. Something like that. I apologize to Benning, but we got a chance to watch Benning. We both like their we like their tape a lot. Um, right now, with our situation, we we went, we opted to to sign the bigger guy, a bigger body, um, space eater up inside, um, very active as a player. I like his first step quickness, his ability to get into the crease and hold the point. He holds doubles pretty well, so he's going to be a little bit of a space eater and allow those guys behind him or the guys next to him to to work and make some plays because big guys like that with quickness, you know, command a little bit more attention inside. How difficult is it to jump in, you know, right at the start of the season and be ready and be available? Um, well, you know, you haven't gone through camp uh, with, with the Steelers and, and, and playing as well as he did, you know, we just felt this is a young man that, you know, we will give a shot and see. And, and he's a bright young man. He's, he's done a nice job so far. He's, you know, he's only been in the playbook for two days, but you know, he got an opportunity to rotate in and out. In fact, we rotated bending in and out as well. Um, so both those guys got a lot of snaps today. I'm anxious to watch them on tape. All right. Thanks. All right. Cool. Thank you, guys. That was Commander's head coach Ron Rivera speaking to the D.C. media post-practice today. Gave us an injury update. We'll discuss who practiced and who didn't practice next. We'll put a ball on the show as well. Linnell Willingham here with you on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Is the Burgundy and Gold today. McLaurin in stride for the first down. On the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Team 980 in the Odyssey app. We'll put a bow on Burgundy and Gold today the way we normally do. We'll bring in the host of the show that follows us. The primetime performer, Mr. Craig Hoffman. The pride of Syracuse University and someone who's a film nerd. And we were just talking about Chase Roulier. Yeah. I am of the belief that he didn't play that well. You just told me otherwise. We both came to one conclusion, though. Maybe the ankle injury is affecting him a little bit more than people realize. Yeah, it was interesting talking to Logan about this on the podcast, uh, which came out this morning. So I know you'll listen on your way home because I know that's, that's what I do. That's that's how you roll. You're gonna have to balance it though because you also listen to my show, and so I don't know. You can't be good. Too- thing I got two ears. Yeah, is that how that's gonna work. <laughs> uh, but you, Logan said it was interesting to watch Chase manage it, and he did it in a really smart way that may not look as uh, look as great to the average. Uh, consumer and I certainly wouldn't have picked up on this um, but that as a technique sometimes as a center especially you just lose yeah but you lose <laughs> in a way that actually takes the tackle out of the play like at the end of the day your job is to make sure that the guy that you're responsible for doesn't make the play and so basically if you get blown up four yards in the backfield on like an outside zone well now not only have has that player that blew you up taking themselves out of the play because the back's going to beat them on the handoff like obviously it's a problem if if it's one of those plays where like Aaron Donald tackles the quarterback before the handoff but as long as you prevent that from happening that player coming up actually opens a giant cutback lane so now you've actually created space by losing and it was really interesting to hear Logan talk about that on the pod he did it much better than I did so you should listen to take command Uh, (laughs) but that you know when you said that I was like yeah no it, it definitely feels like his ankle is not a hundred percent um but if he can manage it in a way that's beneficial for the team then hey now looking at the offensive line of the opposition uh this weekend talking about the Detroit Lions their injury report just came out from their practice session today as well some big time names not on this list Craig Hoffman no Taylor Decker no DeAndre Swift no Frank Ragno Kramer I'm blanking on his first name but he didn't practice as well those are three starting offensive linemen and the starting tailback for the for the team that, that led the team in carries and rushing, 15 carries, a buck 44, and a touchdown. If any of those guys have to miss Sunday, how does Washington take advantage? I mean, you tackle the guy that, you know, replaces DeAndre Swift, which is still Jamal Williams, <laughs> and, like, is is a real good runner. Um, but, like, you, 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 you get an easier tackle. Like, yeah. there's a reason DeAndre Swift's the starter. So... I mean, obviously, I think you can get a little bit more specific with some of the O-linemen, if, if, especially if you think that the backup is not very good. You can scheme up blitzes over top of them. You try to put them in conflict. Like The, the biggest thing with like a backup NFL player is not necessarily just a downgrade in skill. Like They're not as strong. They're not as fast. They're not yeah. whatever. It's like they haven't seen as much. Like They're not as experienced. You need to put them in conflict and make them make decisions. And so if you can scheme it up, if you're a jack, to, to have that, um, that's obviously a, a winning formula. And they had they had a good blitz package on Sunday. Like, I know some people are still like, Del Rio doesn't know what he's doing. And it's like, was it was it a perfect game plan? No, but I like their blitz package, and, and it, it was effective. It. I loved it. I love – I called it throwing the kitchen sink. Whenever you're blitzing defensive backs, I know that you're a nut. I know that you're insane in the membrane, and I need more of that Jack Del Rio. 
Craig, we'll, we'll wrap up on this. This is the question I've been asking the listeners all show long here. Is there anything from Sunday for Washington that you think is sustainable for the entirety of the regular season? Uh, yeah, I mean, distribute, distributing the ball uh, to a bunch of different guys and, and leveraging their skill sets off of each other, I think, is, is definitely sustainable. And defensively, you know, I think the pressure packages they use are pretty sustainable, too. Maybe not quite as many, like, blitzes off the corner. Right. Um, but generally speaking, sending different guys and, like, being multiple, I think that's sustainable. That'll do it. Burgundy in gold today. That's a wrap for it. Craig Hoffman is next. I'll be back with you guys Friday. Me and Doc Walker getting you ready. For the Commanders and the Lions. Scott and Doc, back tomorrow. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.